1: B Nation, welcome to a special, actually, it's not a special edition. The topic is going to make it seem like a special edition, but just to another edition of the Irish Breakdown, Notre Dame Recruiting Hour. That's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. And Ryan, it was quite a weekend. (laughs) It was quite a weekend. It was uh, not a good weekend for Notre Dame from a recruiting standpoint. Simple as that. Yesterday, obviously, we found out that Justin Scott committed to Ohio State, which meant not only did Notre Dame not finish second for Justin Washington, it's arguable if they were even third for Justin Scott, excuse me, a uh, huge loss, not incredibly unexpected. We talked last week, if he doesn't make it back, if he makes a decision in July, it's not going to be Notre Dame. We've been saying that for a while. Yeah. And the fact is, is he just was completely unwilling to visit campus. So the writing has been on the wall. Notre Dame just flat got beat and uh, a lot of drop balls here. And we'll get into that a little bit. Obviously, Isaiah Canyon decommitted from Notre Dame. We got into we had a show we put out on Saturday, a little special edition show I put out on Saturday, kind of explaining what happened. And then today commits to Georgia Tech. So, uh, you know, kind of gives some credence to the whole didn't want to go far away from home thing. Although I still believe there's a little more to it than that, but no need to uh, to dwell on that. He's not coming here. So that obviously went down this weekend. We did get some good news. You and I kind of talking to some different sources about some directions that some recruitments are trending in the 25 class and the 24 yep. class. So, but today we're going to focus. Ryan, look, we got to we got to cover it, right? I, I don't want to have a negative show. It's July 3rd. We have July 4th tomorrow. Was in a good mood yesterday. Went out to dinner with my wife, relaxing, having a nice good day, you know. And then all of a sudden, boom, that news happens and you know to some people the uh, the sky is falling and and uh, you know look it was a, it was a, we're not going to sit here and spin it Ryan there's there's no way to spin it losing Justin Scott that's stung. so we'll dive into that we'll dive into Isaiah Canyon we'll update the latest with recruiting for Notre Dame obviously and then we've got an interview with uh 2025 off, uh, running back Justin Thurman that we'll get into a little bit today as well Ryan so you had a chance to sit down with Justin and talk to him one on one I had a chance to watch Justin work out this summer uh, he was obviously one of the standouts at Notre Dame's Irish invasion, so we'll get a chance to, to talk to Justin about that as well. So uh, we do have some some good news to talk about today, obviously, and, yes. and of course, at the end of the day, Ryan will 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 jump into the mailbag. But look, first things first. Notre yeah. Dame misses out on Justin Scott. It's not surprising right now that they missed out on Justin Scott. Yeah, it's just a situation that it just it it puts to a close at least for now a chapter that just shows that that this defensive staff right now is simply put not getting the job done. And the missteps that you and I are very well aware of about what happened with Al Washington's recruitment of Justin Scott going to cost you. And when you're going against the likes of Georgia and Ohio State and Michigan and Miami, you can't have those missteps. And at the end of the day, that's what happened. And now Washington, Washington, Justin Scott is now committed to Ohio State instead of Notre Dame. And it just, it, that shouldn't, shouldn't be the case at this point in time.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
2: It's a disaster. I mean, that it really is. I know we're not going to get, you know, fully negative on this show, but it was an absolute disaster that Notre Dame was not able to secure a commitment from Justin Scott and got outdueled by two Midwestern schools for Justin Scott. I mean, we talked about this last week, Brian. You know, for me, it was like if Justin Scott ended up committing to Georgia this month, right? Or committed to Miami this month, I would be like, okay. Still not good. You still lost a five-star defensive lineman out of your backyard 90 minutes away, but at least it wasn't to a school that you directly are competing with consistently for recruits, right? You're not going against Georgia in every head-to-head battle in the world. Maybe it's, he's just a kid, even though we know that that wasn't going to be true, that wanted to go and be in a different environment and go to the SEC or you know go to the ACC and do whatever, right? Like there was that circumstance that could have happened, but the fact is, is that you know it became very apparent over the last couple of weeks that it was. We I felt like it was going to be Michigan. Like someone asked me this like this morning, it was like, "Did you think it was going to be Ohio State?" Absolutely not. No, I did not think it was going to be Ohio State. I thought it was going to be Michigan. But and nobody you know, thought
1: nobody thought it was going to be Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody did. But. It, it was always going to be somebody other than Notre Dame, and that's that yes. was that was the problem.
2: Well, well, that's the point: is that if it wasn't Ohio State, it was probably going to be Michigan. So, not only did you get beat by another midwestern school, you got outplayed by two of them, and two of them ha- that have recently been in college football playoffs over the last couple years, right? Like some like substantial players, in far as far as the college football landscape. And there are schools that you need to be able to beat for kids like this. You need to be able to beat them, especially when you have the advantage of. Nine minutes away, Chicago, a a player that wanted a Notre Dame offer way before he got a Notre Dame offer like this one. Someone said on the message board that this was handed with a silver platter. I wouldn't quite send it that I I, like I wouldn't say it that aggressively. Right. But I will say Notre Dame had the inside track on this recruitment very early like they had it and they weren't able to close. And we, we talked about this also, Brian, and I still fully believe this. If he would have committed to Georgia or Miami this summer, I would still feel like okay. Notre Dame still has a chance here, but the yeah. fact that he were, he committed to the university uh, to Ohio State's, a team that wasn't even on a the serious radar, Ohio
1: State, U- the university.
2: Ohio, no, State, no, no, no,
1: yeah. the the ohio state university
2: yes a a team that we really wasn't even on the radar like if you would ask me where ohio state was in this recruitment i would have said third or fourth like probably at the end of there you know as far as when he was going to make this when he ended up making the decision but we're in a situation now where ohio state got a ton better obviously got a Mm. big piece of their defensive line class so great job by ohio state to obviously finish that one out but it is just a big black eye on Notre Dame's face yeah. right now. The fact that you got beat for Justin Scott and you would have gotten beaten by two of the Midwestern powers, not just one of them.
1: Right. Ryan, the thing for me is if it was a situation where, where one of the, our, our members, Karen, and I, and I, and I like Karen, she has great comments in our chat she's a board member, but you know, the comment is like, you know, I can't fault the staff for this. If a kid just chooses, he doesn't come to Notre Dame. And honestly, my thing is if that were the case, yeah. I'd be okay with that. Like somebody right. asked me yesterday, so so does that mean Al Washington lost Keon Keely, Jason Moore? So I'm like, I don't yeah. put Keon Keely on Al Washington. I yeah. don't care who the D line coach was at Notre Dame last year. That was just not going to happen because Notre Dame didn't have the track record right. that they needed to have in order to to go out and have success with a Keon Keeley once he blew up. That's right. just the rest. So I'm not putting that on him. But the Jason Moore situation is different right? The Owen Wafel situation is different. I don't, we've said this before. I don't have any fault for Notre Dame for not getting Elijah rushing. I think they did everything they could have done. I, we've said this before. I think that's in recruitment that Al Washington handled extremely well. This is not one of those things. And that's the annoying thing about this is there's just these weird, like if you'd recruited this kid, like you recruited that kid, we wouldn't be here today. Or right. if you would have done that and the kid still picked another school, you'd have said, you know what? tip of the cap to that other school, Notre Dame still has to go out and show that they can win football games. And that's what we'd be talking about. Look, look, they put their best foot forward and didn't work out, which is exactly what we said about Elijah rushing. Have we ever sat here and hammered out Washington for not getting Elijah rushing? No, because the Intel that we've gotten from Elijah and and from our sources at Notre Dame are Notre Dame, I watched it put in work here. Like he did. He put in work here with Elijah rushing and was part of the reason why it's the frustration of, the inconsistency from recruit to recruit that we get from our Washington that's so frustrating. So this is not a situation where they did everything they could, and that's what frustrates people so much. I truly believe, Ryan, that if there was no reporting by us, and and I don't know what other people are reporting. I don't know if they're confirming what we said or not. Don't care. But if we weren't out here reporting that there had been so many dropped balls in this recruitment, I think the reaction today would be very different. Sure. It'd be like, look, you lost Ohio State. You got to go out there and you got to prove that you can beat those teams. Ohio State's a title contender. They lost to Georgia by a point last year. They were a 50-yard missed field goal away from playing four. And they would have won a national title. They'd have beat TCU, most likely. Yeah. And then you look at it and say, and then Notre Dame's out there getting whooped by Ohio State and getting whooped by, you know, Alabama and teams like that. So and and it'd be fair, tip of the cap. And now Coach Freeman got there and win games. It's the missteps that bother me. Maybe at the end of the day, he still would have picked Ohio State, but we don't know because there were the missteps and we'll have more to say about what those are. As we, as we get to signing day, some of, there's some stuff out there that that we have agreed with sources to not release, but it was way more than just recruiting him, getting on him late. That was two years ago, right? That that's past year and a half ago. That's past. It was the missteps since then that became the problem. And, and they made up for this late start and they had him on the verge of committing in January. Yep. And again, there were missteps after that that happened. I, I, and and I think... that's the reality. You flat out, Ryan, you got out worked. Yes. You're pos- and, and look, I know that Marcus Freeman did a lot of work here. Chad Bowden did a lot of work here to keep Notre Dame in the game. But when the kid is and, and we'll get into other coaches in, in this situation in a minute. But right now we're going to focus on Al Washington because he's the D line coach. But the fact is, is you didn't do a good job here with yeah. your defensive line coach didn't do a good job here. He was not alone and we'll get into that, but that's the, that's the reality. So we don't know, for example, if he still would have picked Ohio state now. And I also said, somebody said well, this is why you should have taken his commitment, commitment in January. Strongly disagree. Cause what would have happened was this would have been a decommitment and a flip. It would not have been a, it would not have been a, a situation where he'd have been like, well, you know, I'm committed to Notre Dame, so I'm, I'm going to stay in the class. No, he, right? They, they did the right thing. That's the one thing they did right, in my opinion, was not taking his commitment and then leading to a situation. Because losing a kid in this kind of battle is bad enough. Yeah, Losing a kid that flips from your class makes it sting even more. And that's basically what happened in Notre Dame. And it was, a, it was yet another self-inflicted wound that just continues to happen. Now they, I don't think they happen as much under Marcus Freeman so far, but at certain positions, they're still happening too much yep. for this to just be passed off as well. You just, you just, you know, better school got the kid. It, it, no, I can't take, I can't accept that in this situation.
2: Well, that was a phrase I was going to use is self-inflicted. I think that that's why I, I think that's why, and this is from a Notre Dame fandom perspective. I think this is why this one stings so much. Forget about the Chicago thing for a second Think. Forget about 90 minutes away. Justin Scott, had a high love for Notre Dame early in this process. He wanted a scholarship offer to the university of Notre Dame. He was about to commit to the university of Notre Dame several months ago. And the reason that he isn't in the class right now is not because not simply because he likes Ohio state better. He likes the school better. It's because you hurt yourself in this recruitment with several different parts of this recruitment. And obviously again, We'll get into more as we get into more, but this was self-inflicted. I think that's where this one really stings the most. It's not that you didn't get Justin Scott, it's not that he preferred Ohio State, it's not any of that stuff. It's that the the reason that he preferred these other schools to a large degree is because of what you did, because of what you did to yourself, because of how you put yourself behind the eight ball. Like this was not, this is just not a situation where. He was split on two schools, and he chose this one because he just liked this one a little bit better. No, Notre Dame had a and that lot happens. of mistakes. And that happens, yes, and that's yes.
1: okay. I mean, yeah. you know, like that's what we've said. I'm not I'm not faulting him for missing on Elijah Rushing. Elijah Rushing is focusing on things that Notre Dame just isn't willing to offer. So I'm not hammering him for that. The Jason Moore one, self-inflicted wound, right? Keon Keely, it, it is what it is. You lost a kid that, you know, you're not going to get. Right. Dropping Malachi Williams, dropping Owen Wayful from the class. You know, yeah. the self inflicted wounds with Justin Scott, those are all things you chose to do. Yeah. And the whole dropping Owen Wafel thing looks a whole lot worse now when you don't even have Justin Scott in the class. Because look, if Owen Wafel's still in the class, I'm actually feeling pretty good about it. Look, it's a loss because Owen Wafel's not Justin Scott, but I'm feeling pretty good about the D line class right now if Owen Wafel's still in the class. I am. Yeah. But when you look at him and say he's not good enough to help us go beat Bama, but then you look at Sean Sevoliano and say he is, I, I I got a question where you're going with this one. You know, and I think there's been some some shaky evaluations, because if you have Owen Waifel in this class, along with Cole Mullins and Logan Thomas and Bryce Davis, and then all of a sudden Sean Sevoliano your number five guy. And you can look at it and say, look, he's a big 300 plus pound kid. He adds some you don't have. Cool. I'm with you on that. Right. So it's just been those consistent unforced errors that's been a problem, and and yeah. it's like with receiver recruiting, it's like with, you know, with uh, with linebacker recruiting. We'll get into that here in a second. It, it, you know, it, it's just kind of like, but you're not just losing kids to other schools like Peyton Pierce. Yeah, I'm, I'm not hammering Notre name for missing on Peyton Pierce because I don't think that the current staff wanted Peyton Pierce. I think the only person that wanted Peyton Pierce and like really wanted Peyton Pierce was James Larnitis. And when he left to go to Ohio, to Ohio State. They're, they didn't push for Peyton Pierce as much because the current coach has liked other players better. Okay, fine. All good. No problem. No, no no beef with that. But then when we hear, well, they're not going to get this kid because the, the linebacker coach slash defensive coordinator doesn't really talk to him or decided he wanted to focus on some other kid whose film isn't as better because he's an easier guy to get. Those are the things you start having problems with. Right. And and here's the here's the bigger picture problem, right? I, I think we've hammered the Justin Scott stuff enough, right? Specifically, his dropped ball. There's a bigger problem afoot here because Al Washington takes a lot of heat for his recruiting efforts, rightfully so. But here's another sobering reality, Ryan. I'm going to hit him with what I hit you with last night. Yeah. Al Washington's their second-best recruiter on defense behind Mike Mickens. Think about that for a second. How big of a problem is that? Because you know who else dropped the ball on Justin Scott's recruitment? Al Golden. Your defensive coordinator is supposed to be uh, the head of your defensive recruiting, and then the, the head coach and the director of recruiting are above him. But Jared Parker takes ownership of the offensive class. Tommy Reese in his last year, post-Brian Kelly, when he finally got full control of the offense, took control of that room and said, hey, this is what we're going to go get. Now, you can maybe agree or disagree with certain uh, you know, directions they went with certain recruits and things like that, and that, that's fine. There's always up for debate, but they took ownership of it. They had their hand in all of it. Al Washington's laissez-faire, I'm just not going to get my hands during this recruitment thing, is another factor in this because you've got Ryan Day and Jim Knowles and Larry Johnson all pushing for, for this kid. And at Notre Dame, it's Marcus Freeman and Chad Bowden. Your defensive line coach is constantly dropping the ball, and then your defensive coordinator is nowhere to be found. And that's being said way, way too much. When, when Al Golden – look, I'm, I'm not making excuses for Al Washington. It's got to get better. The, there's no excuse for this. There's no excuse for losing Jason Moore. There's no excuse for your decision to drop on Wafer from the class. Those are all inexcusable mistakes. But here's the other part: there still is Logan Thomas in this class. There's still Cole Mullins in this class. There's still Bubakar Traoré in last year's class, and Arma Mukum. And you kept Brendan Vernon in the class. And you got Devin Houston, and you've got, you know, Bryce 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 Young, and those type of players. There's still some talent in this group that makes you say, okay, that's what this loss. Hurt so bad because if you get Justin Scott, all of a sudden you're looking at a top five defensive line class.
2: Right. Maybe higher
1: if you're going to talk about ceilings. Well, the rest of it had to already be there in order for that to have that kind of movement. And so when you're looking at a guy like Al Washington, who has had all the missteps he's had, and you're looking at the results saying he's your second best recruiter on the new defensive staff, that's a problem. That's a major problem. Now, yeah. I think Chris O'Leary's putting in the work. It's just, he's just not closing. Al Golden's not putting in the work. And that's a problem. That's a major problem that Marcus Freeman is going to have to address after the season. Now, I'm not talking about firing people because, Ryan, you and I have said this. A, we don't call for people to be fired. And B, firing someone's not always the only answer to making changes. There are other ways that you can make changes. But the fact of the matter is, you know, at the end of the day, Ryan, it has to get better. I don't care what happens what that's going to be his call. He's the head coach. He has to make those decisions. I'm not making those decisions nor am I going to recommend what he should do. That's his job. That's why he gets paid millions of dollars. I don't get paid millions of dollars and I definitely don't get paid by Notre Dame to make those decisions. He does. And coach Freeman has to say this can't continue. Whatever the answer is, it can't continue and he can't and here's what Marcus Freeman's also learning. He can't be the primary recruiter for all these kids right because look what he was doing the entire month of May when the coaches were on the road recruiting he was flying around the country doing things that the head coach in our name has to do speaking at this thing speaking at that thing being here being that's part of the reality of being the head coach in our name you can be a much stronger recruiter than Brian Kelly was but you can't do what he did when he was the defensive coordinator and he he needs to learn that and I think he has and say i need to be able to count on you these other coaches to get it done and the reality is, is in too many instances on defense, they're not. And some of the wins they've had have been more about Notre Dame than they are about, about the coaches. For example, I mean, it didn't take a great coach to get Bronte Johnson here. You know, the number one recruiter for Bronte Johnson was to get to Notre Dame? Bronte Johnson.
2: Right. right,
1: right? Like that, that, he wanted to come here. He did the work. It didn't matter who it was. He wanted to be at Notre Dame. It's got to get better, man, because when we're sitting there saying and no one can really argue with it based on results that Al Washington is your second best recruiter on defense. That's a problem, right? It's a big it's, problem.
2: Well, I mean, Brian, I mean, one of the consistent things that we've heard, too, is, you know, this was like I think back to last year's offensive class. Right. Twenty twenty three. And I and I just think back to talking to a lot of those kids that ended up in the class of Notre Dame, obviously guys at Notre Dame had pushed for. Even if they were offensive linemen, even if they were wide receivers, even if they were tight ends, running backs, exclusive, you know, excluding the quarterbacks. They all mentioned Tommy Reese, right? Like you didn't find a recruit that was like, oh, I've never talked to Tommy Reese well, before. It, I've it never was like that when,
1: and when Marcus Freeman was the defensive coordinator sure. as well. It, yeah. no, I mean, because you weren't here yet. It was. Every single kid we talked to was like, yeah. oh, Coach Freeman, it was a corner safety D lineman. Oh, Coach Freeman, Coach Freeman. You'd even have offensive players talking about how they met Coach Freeman during a visit when he was still the defensive coordinator and how sure. that mattered. Yep. So yes, the coordinator has to take ownership of it.
2: Well, and so this is a this is all to say, and Mike Mickens is excluded, excluded from this conversation at this moment, but there is a defensive staff issue on recruiting right now, which is very frustrating because there isn't one on the offensive side of the ball at all right now. You look at that, you look at those coaches, Dylan McCullough and Chancey Stuckey and Joe Rudolph and obviously Jared Parker and like they're putting in work and everyone's going to have a misstep occasion. Everyone's going to miss on a kid. Yes. But no, uh, none of the misses that offenses is having is because of a lack of efforts. Not a single one of them, like maybe a bad evaluation occasionally, maybe just a kid likes the school just better than Notre Dame. That's fine. That's not your, that's not your fault. Defensive class, for the most part, or defensive side of the recruiting, I should say, there's a lot of self inflicted issues right now with that side of the football. And if you are able to stop that and get it back, we're talking about you want to talk about when Notre Dame is going to recruit to the level that everyone's going to be happy about. It's when both sides are going to mirror what the offensive side of the football is doing right now. A lot of grinders on that side, not as much on the defensive side of the football. So there's issues there. Can it be fixed? Yeah, it can be fixed. And that doesn't just mean firing people and replacing people necessarily, but there are things that could be fixed for sure, but they have to do it quick because yeah, right yeah. now this is a bad, I mean, 2024 defensive recruiting, is trending in a terrible direction, a really yeah. bad direction. There's still a lot of good to the class, yeah. but there's still, there's not enough of it. Right. And then you're going to get into the 2025 very soon. Cause you're still at 20 commits in the class. You need to get into the 2025 full barge. And you're going to look at him and be like, man, you're in a good spot right now. And I've had a lot of updates on the board, right, Brian? But you're like, so you're like, you're top two or three for like several big time recruits on the defensive, defensive side of the football in 2025. But if you don't fix this issue right now, that's going to change. You're going to lose traction with kids. You're going to lose steam. Like that stuff's going to happen. This is not a, this is not a process that can be sustainable you can't do this year in and year out and expect to continue to get great talents. you're right. hurting yourself right now you're hurting yourself
1: now there are players out there that they can go get that will stem some of this negative tide right and one of those guys is out there and that's Kingston Viliyama Asa Ryan so basically the latest with him is essentially he's in decision making mode and it's it's Notre Dame USC and Ohio State I, I believe Ryan, you can back me up that right now. I believe USC is the biggest threat to Notre Dame at this particular time. But we also thought that Michigan was the biggest threat to right. Justin Scott a week ago, and so and that's when you're recruiting against teams like Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State. They're always a threat for kids, but the, you, you get Kingston, and there are it's it it helps stop the bleeding essentially. Because yes. I think I think a lot of Notre Dame fans they're rational. And and not like just completely having their entire week ruined because a, a kid made a decision not for their school. And again, I, I'm not just dis- I'm not against the passion, right? I love the passion. That's why there's over 500 people in this chat right now because they're passionate about Notre Dame football. We're be. doing this show right now because we're passionate about Notre Dame football. Absolutely. But I think the the realistic people are are um, they they there's a lot of people in this chat that have been saying for weeks Justin Scott's not coming to Notre Dame he's not coming over Dame. including me yeah right. And you right. <laughs>
2: right so yeah
1: so i think most people can kind of deal with that there's some people that just no matter what happens they're just looking for a reason to act emotionally to things and sky is falling and just complain that that's always going to be the case and it they only come is. to
2: the chat when something is right wrong. right
1: or they're more vocal when that's going on right exactly. and so uh that's going to happen but here's the thing you go out and lose kingston and now that's a problem because a month ago you were the perceived leader right for him. And so that's where you've got to say, look, you can recover from this by getting a Kingstonville Yamaasa, you know, maybe going and adding Bradley, Bradley Shaw to the class, finishing this finishing this class off on the right way is, is certainly something that this defensive staff needs to sort of say, Hey guys, look, this isn't going good. We lost this kid. We've lost this right. kid. We're not going to get that kid. We got to really make sure we buckle down and do what we got to do to get this kid. And I don't want to hear the whole, oh, I'm on vacation thing right now right? Because you, you got to go get it done. So we'll find out if they will. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting, but right now I don't feel super great about Kingston. I feel better than I did last week. Don't feel nearly as good as I did two weeks ago. They got to, they got to finish. I don't know that he's definitely decided what he's going to do right now. Right. And I, I, I don't think so either. I, I was going to ask so you this. Either. Do you yeah. think th- I said this in a show last week and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. I feel like the longer this goes on, the better it actually is for Notre Dame because some of the emotion of the Ohio state visit and then more so the push from USC and the local push kind of wears down a little bit. And then he's going to make whatever decision it is, uh, you know, because then I think it gets back to maybe more of the Notre Dame, Ohio state thing. Yeah. than it was before, where, where before USC started making that, that, Hey, you're, you know, stay home kind of push thoughts on that, Ryan. Well, I, I think for me, and I talked about this a little bit after I
2: spoke with Kingston following the three official visits, we had a piece on obviously on Irish breakdown on that if anybody missed it. But I, I mean, Brian, there are a lot of recruits that you can, let me phrase this correctly. There are a lot of recruits that love the recruiting process. There's a lot of recruits that also don't tell the truth all the time about some things that are happening in the recruit. Obviously, you know, they kind of keep the things close to the vest. And Kingston's a young man. I've been very consistent on this one. He doesn't strike me in my conversations I've had with him to be a person that's going to make a a very quick decision, right? Like these have this has been very calculated for a long time. So when he told me, not this past Sunday, the Sunday before, following the Ohio State visit, that he was going to take two weeks and make a decision, the next two weeks were going to be big for striking down a decision. I think that he's actually going to take those two weeks. Like, I don't think you're just going to wake up one morning and it's going to be like, oh, Kingston committed somewhere. And it was unprompted and you weren't really expecting it. I think he's doing his due diligence. I think he's taking all the data into consideration. He's talking to his family and he's praying. I think that he's doing all of those things because he's been very consistent, very consistent. It doesn't mean he's going
1: to pick Notre Dame, right? We're not saying that. Some people understand that. Yeah, but I think it's good because then the decision won't be an emotional one to your point. Exactly. It'll be more of a thoughtful one. Whereas yeah. if he would have committed right after the visits, I think it would have been to USC. Yeah. And it awesome. would have been an emotional one. So, yeah. um yeah, I, I, they, they I, got to close play. and I yeah. but I don't feel great about that right now, Ryan, honestly. If I had to put yeah. my mortgage on it right now, I'm not putting my mortgage on Kingston picking Notre Dame. So, we'll we'll see. We'll see and we'll see. and so, you know, it's going to get interesting. I like I'm push I'd be pushing for Bradley Shaw right now. Yeah. as well i mean i i don't know if they are or aren't but i i would just because you know and, and look ohio state fans all right ha- have have some sense here okay number one stop coming here with what ohio people ohio state people report notre dame is not out for kingston villiama Asa, okay so just please stop all right just chill okay uh, i don't want to have to ban you guys because we've had some really good ohio state people coming in here but yeah. like just show some class okay so the, at the end of the day, Ryan, we'll find out if he's going to pick Notre Dame or not right now, not feeling great about it. We'll see how that plays out. Also had a, a loss on offense this week too. Right. Yes. And that is, you know, that is obviously you, you lost uh, Isaiah Canyon and and here, here's basically where we're at with all this, Ryan. End of the day. Here's something somebody said the other day. Somebody said, well, you can't be surprised that Notre Dame, lost, you know, a a kid because, you know, they're not recruiting well on defense because of Marshall and Stanford. And my response is, well, then why is the offensive recruiting going so well? Right. Even with the loss of Isaiah Canyon, the offensive class is outstanding. We feel really good about where things are trending with, with Gerby Lambert, you know, and, and so that's a, that's a big thing. Right. And so if you can get him, the offensive side of the ball, was the reason they lost to Marshall and Stanford last year. Right. So you can keep looking for excuses as to why this is happening. The fact of the matter is they did not get it done. Okay. They did not get it done. Here's something you can do to help yourself. Right. Right now, Al Washington, there's there's no player out there that they can go get a commitment from tomorrow on the defensive line that's going to make Notre Dame fans feel better about this. That guy, now there's players out there, they're just not going to get those guys. There's one thing that Al Washington can do right now. To fix this, and that's focus on you're reporting for camp in like 22, 21 days. Go put a great product on the field, right? Right? Al Golden, you don't want to be at Notre Dame. You want to move on to somewhere else. That's fine. Then then go out there and put a great product on the field, Right. right? That's basically what you need to do. And so that right now needs to be the focus because this is a team that went nine and four last year. This is a team that lost to Marshall and Stanford. Do I think that's the primary reason they lost these kids? No, I don't do I think it's enough of a factor to when you're looking at a kid like Justin Scott and Ohio state's talking to him about winning championships and all that kind of stuff. And it matters. Okay. Because they were a point away from beating Georgia last year. Right. And so they beat Notre Dame by 11 last year. So to me, end of the day, that's kind of what, that's basically what they're going to need to do, Ryan, is go out there and put a great product on the field because I actually am very optimistic about this defense this year. I am. I am. I am. I'm
2: optimistic about the team in general. I mean, I really am, and I know you are too. So, I mean, this is it helps, Brian, right? Like that. That yeah. makes it. That makes it an easier conversation, an easier sell to say, like, "Hey, you want to become a part of something really cool? Like, watch what we're doing every dang Saturday, man. And we have a chance to beat some really good football teams. If you go and you beat Ohio State and Clemson and USC, or you go two and one against those top three, it's like, all right, that's." It's notable, man. Like, all right, good job, Notre Dame. You know, that you're obviously coaching well, even if you're not recruiting to the level that we would like to, obviously. But it would definitely make things easier. There's no doubt. Because, Brian, we've talked about this, right? You still need to close the 2024 class because it still has a chance to be a good class for Notre Dame, like a really good class for Notre Dame. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're also looking forward to 2025. I think that right. 2025 has a chance to be a special class. Right. But it's not going to be a special class if you don't back it up on the field, because that's, that's where right. all these kids are going to like Deuce Knight, for instance. Let's use Deuce because I know he's visiting.
1: Obviously, at the end of the good put that news right? out there real quick, Ryan. So we had yeah. it on the, the story in the board. Just go ahead and be specific yeah. about that.
2: Yep, yeah, July twenty seventh. Brian was able to confirm that last night with Deuce, who is obviously the great quarterback out of Loosedale, Mississippi, the top quarterback on the board right now for the University of Notre Dame in the twenty twenty five class. Who we have been telling you all for well over a month now that it was Notre Dame and Tennessee, and then probably Ole Miss in a distant third as far as the teams that are really standing out. So. Deuce is going to be on the move in July to a couple different places, including Ole Miss on July 29th. But he's going to be visiting Notre Dame on the 27th. He's been a kid that's been adamant that this summer he would like to make a decision despite only being a 2025 recruit. But my point is, Brian, is whether you get a commitment from Deuce Knight in this summer or you don't, and he extends it into the fall, if you go out and you struggle throwing the football this year or struggle offensively, that's going to hurt a kid like that. It's like, why why would I want to go from – Loosedale, Mississippi, up to South Bend, Indiana, to struggle offensively. Like I don't want to do that, right? Because there's a lot of good teams that you can go. Like if you care much about offensive firepower, like you could just stay at Ole Miss. You can go to Tennessee. Like there's a lot of teams that are doing good stuff offensively down where he lives. So that is big, obviously, to convince those guys. Usmane Kroma out of out of the state, you know, out of the state of Virginia. Like you want to get him to come up and play football for University of Notre Dame. Show that you are a potent offense, these wide receivers that we keep talking about, right? The Taylor and Taylors of the world. Now, obviously, Taylor is a kid that's right in your backyard, right? But you still need to be able to show that you can take advantage of what Taylor brings to the table. So these offensive recruits in 2025, to go along with already having Nate Roberts in the class, you need to show growth because right. you can look at the first season in 2022 and say, first season under Marcus Freeman, he had to figure some stuff out. Now, 2023, things start to change a little bit. But if there's struggles in 2023 as well, right. if I'm a recruit, I'm looking I'm saying, I don't know if that's going to get a lot better. Like, I don't know if that's a great right. process right now. I'm not sure about right.
1: that. Well, and that kind of leads to just really both sides of the ball, Ryan. And and that is put a great product on the field defensively. And, and and it changes things to a degree. It does. All of a sudden, like like Larry Johnson is not the recruiter he used to be. He's no. basically just going to Harry stand route now. I mean, and it still works. Why? Because he's just That's pointing to I mean. his resume. Yeah, I mean, exactly. look what I did at Penn State. Look what I'm doing at Ohio State. Like, he's not the recruiter he used to be. He's not the coach he used to be. But yeah. when you look at situations like this, right, and you, you look at the defense and you say, hey, listen, right now Larry Johnson is winning recruits over Notre Dame and Ryan Day's beating Notre Dame for recruits and other co- because they're looking and saying, look what we've done. Right. Look what we've done. I would argue that right now, you look at Ohio State's defensive line, I think they underachieved last year when you look at how many five-star players are on it. I pointed this out the other day. Notre Dame's numbers last year from their defensive line compared to Ohio State's. Ohio State had like two more tackles for loss. Notre Dame had five more sacks from their defensive line. Right. Notre Dame's defensive line had greater production last year than Ohio State's. But it's the track record. Kids don't want to hear that. Kids, that's not going to register with a kid. If I give you t- right. tackle for loss and sack numbers from the 25 – 22 Notre Dame defense and the 22 Ohio State defensive line and all this kind of it just it's not going to register right you know what will register Chase Young and yes right exactly the track record and it goes even back to his time at Penn State sure the track record is there yeah and that's what's that's what's missing so go out there and put the product on the field that's what you do put a product on the field this year Al Washington's got a great chance with Jordan Pateho and Riley Mills. And because imagine what it would say to recruits if Al Washington could turn Javante Jean-Baptiste into a you know nine to ten tackle for loss, five, six sack guy this year. Right? Like Ohio State couldn't get this out of that kid. I did. Imagine if Riley Mills goes out there and does what you and I, I think you and I are on the same page here. Maybe to different degrees, but there's no reason Riley Moss can't be a double digit tackle for lost guy if you can get him to play to his potential. There's no reason Jordan Patelho can't be an eight plus sack guy if this year, if he plays to his potential. And all of a sudden the product on the field is really good. And now you've got something to look at and say, hey, look, I look what I did with Isaiah Foskey last year. Right. Right. Look what I'm doing now with this group. Right? Like, look, we're putting a product on the field. At the end of the day, that's gonna, that's gonna matter. Yep. You know, and so. That's what you need to do, uh, and because we can complain all we want about like like the work the work ethic is not where it needs to be, the work volume from Al Washington or Al Golden, the consistency and efficiency, and just the discipline as a recruiter from Al Gold Al Washington, I still don't understand what Chris O'Leary's problem is. Because I've never heard anyone complain about the work ethic. I've never well, kids seem to really like him. You talk to recruits that seem to really like the guy, and then they just pick someone else. <laughs> I don't get it. I, I've I've heard Chris O'Leary's name associated as that's my guy in the twenty twenty
2: five class as as much as anybody of yeah. Notre Dame uh, coaches on the staff. It's weird. But I don't know just if they're... any of those
1: kids are going to pick Notre Dame, right? <laughs> right. And, and and that's the weird thing. Yeah. So you just get down to it, Ryan, and, and the the product on the field has to be better. Yep. And it's not an excuse for the class because the offense the offense had a way worse product on the field the last two years than the defense did, and they're recruiting right. at a very high level the last year plus but even then that matters, you know, that matters that it matters that you go out there and you put a product in the field. If all of a sudden you're selling kids on, this is what we're going to do. This we're going to do. And then you go out there and you don't do it. It's going to hurt you. Right. And so that's the thing that you should be sort of your, your saving grace a little bit. Ryan is, you you, you've got a chance this year to go out there and put a product on the field. That's going to get you fired up. And I am excited about this team. So it's like, I'm at the point now where I'm just like, I'm so over recruiting and I'm so over these kids and their decisions and the reactions that people have on Twitter and other places to these decisions. It's just like, good Lord, I'm 45 years old. Like I just, there's so many more important things going on in my life than this, but we, you know, it's, it's a part of the deal though. Recruiting is the lifeblood of a program. You know, you always come back to that. Well, least... I am excited about this season, and, and that's something that they can do to kind of get the – the best way they can get the momentum back, get Kingston, get yep. Kirby Lambert, go out there and win. Yeah. Agree that's, there. That's what it boils down to. And if the recruiting has soured you on the season, seek help. Because yeah. the <laughs> recruiting that's going on right now has nothing to do with the 23 season. Nothing. 24, maybe. 25, maybe. 22, 23 season, nothing. None right. of these kids – Justin Scott's not suiting up against Ohio State this year, folks.
2: is uh twitter's done you a little bit of a favor brian is that uh elon musk keeps nickel and diamond people so you can only see 600 tweets a day now or well i think like they that. i it's think they good. backed off that now so which
1: you know it was so funny when i got that notice and i was like okay i can't tweet anymore and i just said okay put twitter down and it was such a relaxing day it really was on saturday it was a very very relaxing day on saturday so yeah it uh you know but look they they, they got to get this done right i mean at the end of the day Put a better product in the field, be on, be more on top of, of what you're getting out of your staff. And if you're not getting what you want, figure out what you need to do to get it done. Yeah. Because this just, these kind of things were Ryan, these, these self-inflicted wounds just can't keep happening. That's, that's at the end of the day, that's the reality of it. That's it the reality of it. I want to talk about receiver Ryan. I wrote an article today, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. And my my response was: There's a lot of people that, as soon as Isaiah Canyon decommitted, which was a loss, right? We already talked. I already talked about that on Saturday, so we need to revisit that per se. But at the end of the day, here's here's my thoughts. There's a lot of reactions from people. You know, look at this guy. Look at that guy. You know, focus on. Go, maybe circle back on Jason Robinson. What about Quasi Gilmore? What about Jeremiah McClellan? Guys like that. Reality is Notre Dame pretty much moved on from all those guys. And for a reason, never had interest in Nitro Tuggle. So just let that one go. My whole thing is instead of circling back, what I would do if I'm Notre Dame is be patient. Yeah. And there's three reasons for it. Number one, the only guy that's definitely off the roster after 23 is Matt Salerno. Chris Tyree, Dion Colsey, Jaden Thomas all have multiple seasons of eligibility remaining as of right now. You also signed, so that's number one, so you have a lot of talent coming back on your 2024 roster expected. Point being, if any receiver is going to come in and play as a freshman, he's going to have to be really good. Yeah. So there's no need to go get a body right now because it's not going to impact you in 24 anyway. Then you look at last year's class, and you look at the 23 the twenty-three freshman class, and three of them have already shown up and look like hits. They look like they're going to fit. They're doing well. And obviously, Jaden Greathouse had a great spring. Rico Flores had a great spring. Braylon James is a little bit more up and down, which we kind of expected because of how raw he is. But when he was on, you're like, yep, he's who yep. we thought he was. Yep. And then Caleb Smith shows up. You've already got Cam Williams and Micah Gilbert in 24 class. So you have six kids in a two-year stretch. They're okay right now. Now, I think a third guy is needed because when you look at it, there's no guarantee that Deion Colsey is going to come back in 25. and Jaden. Actually, Deion Colsey can't come back in 25. There's no guarantee that Jaden Thomas is going to be back in 25. And if Tobias Merriweather is as good as we think he can be, there's no guarantee that he comes back in 2025. So, you don't want to be going into 2025 asking that freshman class to fill your depth chart like you're asking the 23 class to do. Right. And so that's why 24 is is good. However, with the numbers where they are, I don't think you need to rush there. And then the third reason is is because I do think you're going to put a great product on the field this year, or at least you think that you are. I tend to agree with them. So, go out there and say, hey, look, we can be patient. And if Notre Dame goes out there and they, they, in September, put up a bunch of points and throw the ball all around the field and, you know, go out and Beetle house it. And all of a sudden, maybe a guy, a Ryan Wingo type of player starts saying, you know what, I didn't look at you guys before because I watched your offense last year and wanted to know part of that. But, you know, I liked Notre Dame and, and this, and, and now i so said I'm going to give you a second look. So to me, at the end of the day, that's what I'm, that's really the three reasons why I would say if, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm being patient. I'm not circling back on some kid that you liked, but you didn't love just because right. you need a third. Thoughts on that, Ryan? Well, and I think the evaluation
2: period is going to be a big time too, right? Like you mentioned Ryan Wingo, obviously who's already a known commodity. Everybody knows Ryan Wingo. Notre Dame has recruited Ryan Wingo for some time. Ryan Wingo has been to Notre Dame multiple times in the past. But I think that the evaluation process is big. I mean, I think people mentioned, even on the board, like this time last year, we didn't know who Caleb Smith was. Like we had no idea who that kid was, but then you find that kid. And I think that those risers always happen. And I think for me, Brian too, it's like, Circling back, it's it's also you can start that process if you want, but it's also look at the state of their recruitments for some of the kids that you would be circling back on. Like Quasi Gilmer is about to make a commitment soon. Josiah Brown just made a commitment, obviously to Penn State. Jason Robinson just committed to the University of Washington. And you dropped them. Exactly. There's going to be exactly. some feelings There, and I can tell you hundred percent. There is definitely some feelings there from a couple of them. There's no doubt about that, and, which I completely understand. I get that, right? You got passed up for another player, which yeah, hundred percent understand why the feelings are there. But at the end of the day, I think that this is much more of a let's not circle back to just to circle back because we're because we're desperates, Right. It, this is July. There's no time for desperation yet. Like you don't have to be desperate right now. Right now. Is a time where you have several months before National Signing Day. You have an evaluation period that's going to begin in September and October to really understand who are the risers? Who are guys that we didn't even know about? Who are guys that just grew into their body this offseason? Who's the guys that now every team is starting to like good, take big looks at? Like the Braylon Hill, uh, Brandon Hillmans, excuse me, of the world, like the Caleb Smiths of the world, like the Ormel Mookums of the world. You can still find those kind of kids, right? So I think that you should be patient here because. Any move right now in the next couple weeks, like that's just desperation, man. Like, just if you're going to trust yourselves as much as you have, as far as from a coaching and recruiting perspective, as far as getting the most out of kids, why start this now, right? The desperation thing. Don't be desperate. Just let this thing play out a little bit. There's going to be some players that there's going to be some players that we start talking about. I'm sure, Brian, in the September and October, where you don't even know who they are right now. Like, you have no idea this kid's name. Maybe there's just some like. Now, nondescript kid out of the state of Texas, and with Chancey Stucky's ties, we know that he can obviously go into Texas and really attract those types of players. And so, I think that there's a lot of time to figure that stuff out. So, no, I would not rush this either because I'm not for desperation in July. I don't right. think that I don't think that makes any sense.
1: Right. Push for the big time needle movers, and be patient and allow the Brandon Hillmans, the Tayshawn Lyons, is the kids like that that kind of pop up. Dylan Edwards is that pop up. Those type of talents wait for those guys to pop up. And if you have a better product to sell this year, then you can go sell it. And that's Lions another good yeah. example. That's yeah. a very good example. Yep. Caleb Smith. Yep. Right now. Yep. So I know you and I have a little bit of a difference of opinion on him, but we both think he's a good football player. That, that I, would still take,
2: I would still take him into another version of Caleb Smith. Yes. I would still take him in the 2024 class. Like there's right. no doubt about that. Yes. Right. Yep.
1: Right. So there's just, there's no need, there's no need to, to rush into that Ryan. And, and I, I, I don't think they're going to, We'll kind of have to see how that all plays out. I don't think they're going to, to, to rush into that. Right. I, I think where, where it comes down to here, Ryan, is it, it just, it is kind it is what it is in the 24 class right, now. right You're, now. You are close to being done. You've got to make sure that you finish this strong and finish it smart. Cause at the end of the day, if they, if they close out correctly, we're going to look at the 24 class a lot like we looked at the 23 class. Man, this is an outstanding class. If only you would have landed Keon Keeley. It would have been perfect. If you finish this class off the right way, we're having that conversation about the defense. I would say I'd still probably complain about the safety class a little bit, just you know the bottom of the safety class and some of the misses there. But I'm looking at the rest saying, hey, look, man, if, you, if you'd have just got Justin Scott, you know, perfect. You didn't get it done. Okay, now do better next year, but it's still a really good class. If you miss out on Justin Scott, you miss out on Kingston, you miss out on Bradley Shaw, all of a sudden there's a problem developing here that yes. has to that that's creating some problems. Yep. And uh, you know, cause cause and you have to address it because in some of the here's the thing, Ryan. It, this is gonna sound weird. I'm not excusing anything that Al Golden has done. I'm not excusing any of the misses that Al Washington has had. I'm not excusing the lack of results from Chris O'Leary right now. But I am going to say it. If you're going to have a bad year, the 24 class is the one to do it because this is not a strong defensive class nationally. It's not a great class, period. Notre Dame has really cleaned up in some areas where it is good. Quarterback at the top, they got one of the best. They've got an outstanding running back one-two punch right now. I would argue – is as good as any one-two punch they've had. That includes Josh Adams and Dexter Williams. It includes Greg Bryant and Torin Folston. It includes, going back to Theo, Theo Riddick and Sear Wood, Robert Hughes and Armando Allen, as far as where they were as recruits. It is outstanding. The receiver class took a hit with with Isaiah Canyon, no doubt about it. But you still have two outstanding wide receivers. And if you're able to get Gerby Lambert, you're rolling on offense, right? In a, in a year where, you know, you're – You're kind of fortunate if you get Gearby Lambert. You ended up putting together a really good offensive line class in a year where it's not a great offensive line year. You know, that's just the reality of it. And then defensively, you could say, well, you know, you got some high upside kids like Cole Mullins and Logan Thomas. It's not a great D line year. The guys that were really good, you're not going to go down and get Edric Houston. You're not going to get Dylan Stewart. Those are just not guys no name's ever going to be a player for. Just get used to it, right? Linebacker, it's not a great year at linebacker. It's not a great year at safety. And you say, well, yeah, you had some misses, et cetera, whatever. There's excuses you can make for it. You fast forward to 25, Ryan, it's loaded at linebacker. It looks pretty darn good at safety already. It looks pretty good at corner already. I still have film to watch of the defensive tackles, but the defensive end class looks pretty good already it's a much better 25 class. So if you don't recognize and address the issues now, it's going to bite you in the butt next year. If you don't put a great product on the field in 23, it's going to bite you in the butt next year. So there's there's work that can be done in yep. my opinion. And they've got to go they, that's why the, that's why it's so important to coach Freeman f- make the changes to make sure that this doesn't happen again in 25. And the first thing you do is make sure the product on the field this year is outstanding. That's going to, that's going to mean a lot. It's going to mean a ton. And then if you can, you know, get your coaches to recruit better, recruit smarter, do whatever you need them to do. Like, here's the conversation I watched Al gold I'd have after the season. Do you want to be here? Yeah, I want to be here. I like it here. Okay. Then I need you to do this. I know you can recruit. I've seen you when you care. I've seen you do it. You're good at it. You either need to do it or go some find somewhere else to go. <clears throat> That's the conversation that needs to be had. And and you know coach Washington, hey, you put it did a great job cuz here's the here's the double edged sword. If you go put a great product on the field, are you seriously going to fire three coaches that just were responsible for putting a great product on the field? No, you're not. But you do say if you want to be here, you can't do this again. Now go right. get it done. And that's gonna that's basically where it's gonna be, Ryan. And that's where that's the task the coach Freeman has. Because at the end of the day, he's the head coach. When Brian Kelly had assistant coaches that weren't getting the job done, guess who he held accountable? Brian Kelly, because he's the head coach. Yep. Coach Freeman is responsible. For you hired these guys. You're allow. You're either you're either doing something about it, or you're allowing, it or you're promoting it. That's basically that's the only really two options, big picture. Because if it keeps happening and you don't do anything about it then you're basically allowing it. And so that's what coach has to do. He has to figure it out. And and it but it's got to start with the on the field product, right? On both sides of the ball, but especially defensively because if you can put a good product on the field, as you know, I don't know why, but 25 kids are really digging Notre Dame right now. They are. It's kind of crazy. Like as bad as like like as bad as Al Golden has done in the 24 class, you're hearing his name a lot more with 25 linebackers. You are. Sure. You just interviewed Christian Jones, a top 100 linebacker from Nebraska, and he talked about Al Golden multiple times in that conversation. Uh, Brian Smith just interviewed Bryce Davis, the top top 50 defensive lineman, top 50 player who's a defensive lineman from North Carolina. Him and his mom raved about Al Washington. Yeah. Okay, great. Good early start. But you got to continue this. You've Mm got to continue it. Now, my hope, Brian – is that that is the byproduct of Coach Freeman already having the come-to-Jesus conversation with those coaches. Hey, look, 24, what's done is done. We We can't go back and fix what happened with Justin Scott. I'll try to fix that. I need you to go do this, right? We can't fix where we are. We can't wave a magic wand and say you did a better job recruiting Kingston or Bradley Shaw, whoever else that may be out there, Malachi, whatever. But you can fix it for 25. My hope is that the work that you're seeing on a daily basis, when you're interviewing, I mean, because if y'all haven't been on IrishBreakdown.com, Ryan has put out a ton of 25 recruiting updates the last two weeks, right? And you're hearing names that we don't often hear. You said it about Chris O'Leary. That's my dude. Yeah, we're hearing Al Golden's name mentioned a lot more. Josiah Kia talked a lot about Al Golden. He hits him up all the yep. time. Yep. Christian Jones talked about how consistently he talks to Al Golden. You know, we, Bryce Davis and his mom praising Al Washington. The hope, Ryan, is that this is a trend that comes from Coach Freeman sitting down and having that come-to-Jesus conversation. That's my hope, because yep. if you can fix the problem, there's a lot of talented 25 kids that, for whatever reason, are super high on Notre Dame, and if you can put a good product on the field and then put in the work, all of a sudden you can overcome some of these misses that are bad misses in the 24 class, in my opinion.
2: Thoughts on that, Ryan? Well, I mean, I, I talked about that a little bit, right? So, like, that was my example, obviously, with Deuce Knight. It's that you need to be able to cut every every basis, right? Like, you need to be able to. Because the great thing about Notre Dame is that Notre Dame is always going to be a sell for parents, for the most part. It's always going to be a sell for the kids that are academically oriented. It's always going to be a sell for the kids that are spiritual, for the most part, right? Like, those things are always going to kind of check those boxes, but the box that needs to be checked also is that – let's let's be honest. Most of these kids, their goal is to play in the NFL, and it should be. Like that should be their goal, right? They they should have that goal in mind. And they don't want to go to a place where they're not going to have a chance to be developed to the highest level and to win football games. That stuff matters. It matters extensively. It's not – there's some great recruiters at the university of Georgia right now. There's some great recruiters at the university of Alabama. There's some great recruiters at Clemson. Like there's some great recruiters there because they've had a lot of, you know, they have a lot of great coaches, which is why they've been successful at points obviously over the last few years. And most recently, obviously with Georgia the last two years, but it's a lot easier to be a great recruiter at Georgia when you got two national championship rings on your finger, right? Like that's a whole lot easier, man. Kirby smart's a great recruiter regardless But it's also becoming an easier job. Everyone's like, man, oh, the 2024 class for Georgia is a fantastic. It's like, yeah, because every time Kirby Smart goes into a room right now, he's got two championship rings on his finger. Like it's an easy sell on top of being a good recruiter. It makes things easier. Winning makes things easier. And that's what Notre Dame needs to get to, obviously. Get a great product on the field. Win football games. Recruiting becomes easier in that situation.
1: I think it's important in 25-2, Ryan, because you have to be you have to be smart to recognize what's in front of you. You have to recognize what part of the reason that Notre Dame focused so much on Bodie Cahoon and Teddy Rizak is because a lot of the top linebackers in the 24 class are low-ceiling, high-floor guys. I don't think Notre Dame had a lot of interest in that. After getting the two linebacker classes they got, I don't really think they needed a high-floor, low-ceiling guy. They're loaded at linebacker with young talent. They wanted guys with higher ceilings, and the guys they shot for, the Sammy Browns, those kind of guys, Aaron Childs, they just they didn't get. And so they were going to take chances on – they were going to take – they would rather take a chance on a Bodie Cahoon than a Chris Jones, for example. Now, Chris Jones is right. a very good football player, but yes. Chris Jones is a higher floor guy. He's not a higher ceiling guy. Uh, that's why they took a swing at a Darius Hayes. the Darius Hayes is a little on the raw side, but he's got tons of upside. You just a missed freak. him, you yeah. know? and that's speaking of, I just mentioned two guys that are committed to Florida. If they can keep that linebacker class together, good night. That's a linebacker. And Miles Graham might be the best three, which is why he has the highest floor for sure. Uh, I think the other two guys have even higher ceilings, but miles, miles, miles Graham. I mean, he's got that DNA that we always talk about, right? He's a good freaking football player. Now, so my only reason, my only thing with Graham is just the size, Ryan. I kind of feel about him like I do about Bradley Shaw. He's a better player than Bradley Shaw, but it's like, okay, he's just a little on I wish he was a little bit bigger, but, man, he's really freaking good. But the point is they 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 took their shot with the high-ceiling kids in this class, and they got some, and they missed out on others. I can live with that if you followed up next year, because next year's linebacker class is in – it's one of the best – now, again, we'll see how these guys develop but it's one of the best linebacker classes I've seen in a long time, Ryan, just, just the kids on Notre Dame's board. I mean, not even getting into the guys they have even offered yet. I'm just talking about the kids that we've evaluated that Notre Dame has offered. It is an absolutely loaded linebacker class. I mean, we could, we could sit here all day and start pumping out names. I mean, you have, you've had articles recently on Noah McHale, Um, you know, uh, Gavin Nix talked to Brian Smith the other day. He's very high on Notre Dame. Justin Hill, Madden Ferriamo, I think you interviewed him recently as well. Elijah Barnes from Texas, who's now a top 100 kid. Anthony Saka, Nathaniel Owusu-Boateng, Landon McComber. I mean, it is an absolutely – Christian Jones. I'm just trying to make sure I don't forget anybody. As I go through this list, Uh, Brett Clatterball is a top 200 kid that's visited Notre Dame. It is an absolutely loaded – linebacker class so guess what you better make sure your freaking linebacker recruiting operation is a whole lot better next year than it is this year right look at the safety class in next year Ryan it's a smaller class but there's some I mean Kendall Daniels Trey Harrison Ethan Long Trey McNutt Remington Moss Matai Tagoa who I think might end up being more of a rover Jordan Young there's some dudes on that board now, right? Where if you get three of those guys, you've got two or three of those guys, you've got yourself a heck of a safety class and the same thing a corner. At the end of yeah. the day, you know what I mean? Those guys are committed, zero. <laughs> so you've got to get the job done. So product on the field and making sure the work you're putting in is better. Do that and then all of a sudden, we look at 24 as a blip on the radar. That's what we do. Even if they do miss on Kingston and don't flip Caleb Beasley and all that type, right? even if they have, even if they completely strike out on defense, Fix it for 25, and all of a sudden we look back and say, hey, blip on the radar. Because every staff, every every team has years like this. Ohio State had a year like this a couple of years ago. Whereas it's like, man, that, that just wasn't a tip. I know it was ranked high, but you just watch the film, and you're like, this isn't a typical Ohio State class. Then the next year they bounce back with a great class, and they're back on track, and it's a blip on the radar. Yeah, And that's where, where Notre Dame needs to be right now. And that's why it's up to Coach Freeman to say, we're going to fix this. At the end of the day, that's the person that's responsible for fixing it. One way or the other, he's the one that's going to have to fix it. Yeah. And, and, so. I, I,
2: and I think that's a great note is that we don't decide how it gets fixed. We just know that it needs to be that's fixed. Right. Like that's the process stuff, right? And one thing that we know about Marcus Freeman, right? They're, the jury's still out from a coaching perspective. We're still figuring out what type of head coach he is but he comes with a great reputation as a recruiter. And we know yeah. that he is a
1: absolute dog on the trail
2: an absolute dog.
1: He's got to be frustrated by this, Ryan. I
2: would think he's, so. I would think so. Yeah. Cause if
1: he's still just a D coordinator, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't think they miss on Justin Scott. I don't think they Probably miss not. on Kingston, Vilyama. I and just, I have no, I have no proof that that's the case yeah. other than just look what happened in the first two classes that he was a primary recruiter for. And you'll get your answer. You know what I mean? Like, you know so well cuz here's something here's something that i think Marcus Freeman's realizing a head coach is very important in the recruiting trail sure. when you get down to the nitty gritty of of big time players the coordinators and position coaches are going to have a bigger impact the head coach needs to be the closer yeah you can't always be you can't be the driver for a bunch of kids on defense cuz at the end of the day they're playing for you big picture but they're not playing for you you know what i mean they're not playing for you like they are when you look at you know, when you were the D coordinator, they were literally playing for you. You're going to be coaching them every single day. It's different now. And he's, he's got to learn that. And that's part of the evolution of being a new coach is you, you learn these lessons. Hey, take the lessons that you, that, cause like what he's doing now, with the 24 class, Ryan, is he's learning the lessons on the recruiting trail that he learned on the field last year as the on field head coach. Right. Right. The 24 class was really, to me, sort of the first full class of Marcus Freeman as the head coach even more than 23 because when you look at 23 a lot of the kids in the 23 class were committed early to Notre Dame I mean you you, now they got a lot of guys after he was hired I mean the receiver class got put together after he was hired right but I'm talking like Keon Keeley, uh, Brennan Vernon, Drake Bowen, a lot of those guys that and even the guys that committed later were guys that Marcus Freeman got on when yeah. he was still the D coordinator. So it was just it was a different animal. Uh, you know, Christian Gray was offered by Notre Dame and worked out at, when he was still the D coordinator. Peyton Bowen committed on January 1st. Marcus Freeman had been head coach for less than a month. He'd been on Peyton Bowen for a while. He visited that summer. So all those recruitments started when he was still the defensive coordinator. This right. is the first cycle where it's, all of it was basically with him as the head coach. So these these mistakes, these losses, these misses are things that you're going to say, if he can apply them and make the changes that we saw him make from a coaching standpoint, because here's the thing, he chose not to fire certain coaches after this offseason. But you know what he did? Sat down with them and said, we're going to do this differently and we're going to do this better. And, you know, like, look, say what you want about our as recruiter. I thought he did some really good things in the spring as a coach. If you go out there and coach your butt off this spring, that helps you with as a recruiter. Right. So. I think he's applied a lot of lessons learned from year one as a coach onto the coaching aspect of where this football team is trending. Now he's got to do that same thing on the recruiting trail and realize, okay, here's the impact I can and can't have. How was he supposed to know that he'd have a less of an impact as a head coach than he did as a coordinator until you go through it and you realize, boy, we really need the D coordinator and the D line coach to really step up. We need the D coordinator and the linebacker coach to really step up. Boy, we need better from this position. Do that. If he applies those lessons, then they're going to be fine because I, I do like the lessons. I mean, the process uh, to, to me, the process to get there was not great uh, in some of these areas as far as putting the staff together, the Ludwig fiasco and all that kind of stuff. But I look at the coaching staff now and I'm like, dude, I, they got a better coaching staff now than they did last year, top to bottom in, in a lot of different ways. And partly because, again, some of the guys that were turning, you know, Chancey Stuckey is better now than he was a year ago, you think. Dylan McCullough, you know, because guys have the the year of experience. And you got to just go out and get it done. We'll see if he can do it.